Kia ora everyone. Ngā mihia nui ki a koutou katoa. It's great to have you with us. If you haven't met me yet, uh, you are now. And uh, did you get a chance to decide whether or not I was going to be on staff? Because um, probably after today you might want to reconsider. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, uh, a really warm welcome to you all. Uh, it's uh, great to be with you. Um, generations pastor. So um, essentially, my role is looking after all these amazing staff uh, that look after our children and youth and young adults, and then right down the other end, get to look after Encore as well. So the best groups in the church, I would say. So that's, a, that's an exciting role. And I get to hang out here at Sunday night with you guys. Um, there's an amazing team that have been putting things together, um, and I'm just, I'm just excited about joining with them as well. Um, I hail from West Auckland. How many of you have been to West Auckland and lived in West Auckland? Yeah. There's not too much excitement about that. Um, yeah. It's, it's, West Auckland's a good place. It's where I was born and grew up. I went to primary school and intermediate school and high school there. And um, uh, I am a bit of a bogan. And um, I say that not because I've got a black T-shirt on. Apparently, this is the new pastoral uniform here. Uh, black T-shirts. Look, Craig's got his black T-shirt on again tonight. So um, it's new. But um, I'm not rocking a mullet. You know, there's only one person who rocks a mullet well, and that's Albie, right? <laughs> Albie's, yeah, he has a party at the back. He doesn't, he doesn't have the thing at the front, but he has the party at the back. I just want you to think, imagine Albie without his mullet, all right? Just wouldn't be Albie, would it? It's something distinguishing about him. Um, but I do confess to uh, having a few bogan tendencies if I owned a Holden, which I don't. Um, there may be a few skid marks around. But anyway, uh, that's just who I am. Uh, but in all seriousness... I love Jesus. I love his church, and I love the scriptures and how they bring life and truth and freedom to the captives. Amen. And uh, tonight we're going to get into uh, a series which I hope you'll be excited about. Uh, we've been meeting as a team, and we've planned out the whole of the year, and so uh, we'll be bringing some of those uh, series ideas to you soon so that you can know all about it. But it's a, it's a privilege for me tonight to bring the first in our series just Jesus. But I want to start with prayer, so would you bow your heads with me? Uh, Lord, it's good to come together. Lord, it's good to scream our lungs out in worship. Um, and Lord, sometimes as a preacher, you really shouldn't sing so loud, but you've got to save your voice. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word, as I said, brings truth and life and transformation. And tonight, Lord, uh, if there's anything that uh, is in me, and it comes from me that diminishes your word, Lord. Let people forget that. Let your word of truth, like a double-edged sword, pierce our hearts and bring life to us tonight, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. All the people said? Well, I don't know about you, but um, when you actually get to slow down a little bit, um, as I have, I, 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 you, you start to drift into what has become a priority in your life. What are the things that have become central to who you are? Um, I had a two-month holiday. Anyone had a two-month holiday recently? I had a two-month holiday. It was in a 50-square-meter house with my whole family, but it was a, a two-month holiday. And when you do that, you sit down, you take that time. That We didn't have internet. Uh, we didn't have TV. Uh, how many thinks that's a good holiday? Yeah, there's five hands. Five, five hands. Six hands. <laughs> Um, and, and when you do that, you actually have to sit down, you have to read, 
and you get a little bit more into your word, and you take that time. And uh, as you do, sometimes, I don't know about you, but I, I get alarmed. I get alarmed about what has become central for me. It's only when you sit in that space, when you give yourself that space to just be calm and think about what God has been doing and what has become central to you, what has become most valuable to you, that you start going, wow, I need to bring some priorities back to my life. And you can get down on yourself and you can really push it. And I think this series will help you to understand the place of Jesus and his centrality in our life. And I hope that through the series, as each of us gets to open that up enough uh, for you, that you'll understand that Jesus is enough. There needs to be nothing more added to your life than Jesus. Amen? Um, so uh, I want to begin this evening uh, reflecting in the series. In a, uh, I guess it's a spiritual journey, trying to understand a little bit of your spiritual journey and, and where God's been leading you over this year. But also to think about what are those elements in my life that have taken center stage uh, and they need to uh, be put back in place again. Uh, something that always happens in that relationship with God is, is sometimes our joy in our, uh, in our life actually ebbs away slowly and we can get into that space where we're going, why is faith so important to me? And when you start asking yourself some of those questions, you've really got to start uh, thinking about that. You see, often it's not because God has moved, but because we have. We have moved away from him. And so tonight we're going to begin that journey looking at the book of Colossians. And uh, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to read to you from uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 3 through to 12. I'm skipping over the first two verses because uh, Craig did a great job of... Um, unpacking those couple of verses from Thessalonians. It's the same sort of intro that Paul gives everyone. It's a bit of a greeting, grace, and peace to you. And then he gets into the guts of it. So uh, you can follow along with me uh, here on the screen. I'm going to be reading from the message version, okay? Uh, and uh, Eugene Peterson passed away this year, but I just love the way in which he's taken the Bible and uh, created uh, something of a masterpiece of language. So read along with me. Our prayers for you are always spilling over into thanksgiving. We can't quit thanking God our Father and Jesus our Messiah for you. He's talking to this amazing church in Colossae. We keep getting reports on your steady faith in Christ our Jesus and the love you continuously extend to all Christians. And there's this great line. The lines of purpose in your lives never grow slack. They're tightly tied as they are to your future in heaven, kept taut by hope. Brilliant. It says, the message is as true among you today as when you first heard it. It doesn't diminish or weaken over time. It's the same all over the world. The message bears fruit and gets larger and stronger just as it has in you. From the very first day you heard and recognized the truth of what God is doing, you've been hungry for more. Ooh, who wants that said about them? It's as vigorous in you now as when you learned it from our friend and close associate, Epaphras, which is a disciple of Paul, and he's come and, uh, and spoken to Paul up in Rome. He's one reliable worker for Christ. I could always depend on him. Oh, that's what he's saying. Uh, he's the one who told us 
how thoroughly love has worked into your lives by the Spirit. Wow. You want the Apostle Paul saying that to you? Then he goes on to say, Be assured that from the first day we heard of you, we haven't stopped praying for you, asking God to give you wise minds and spirits attuned to his will, and so acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. We pray that you'll live well for the master, making him proud of you as you work hard in his orchard. As you learn more and more how God works, you will learn how to do your work. We pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul, not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength God gives. Mm. It is strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy, thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. Isn't that cool? It's a cool piece of scripture. The thing I love about what Paul's doing here is he's raising the church up. And I I don't know if you know anything about the background of uh, the city of Colossae, but it's a bit like what we live in now. It's a place that actually Christianity is being pushed further and further out to the margins. And it's, it's one of those places also that, um, you know, when, when Paul comes into in the book of Acts and he, and he points to the um, statue of the, un, to the unknown God, this is, this, is a, this is a city that is what I like to call hedging its bets on everything. Right? It's the kind of city that has a Buddha in the doorway, and one of those, have you ever seen one of those money trees? Have you seen one of those things? It's got one of those. Um, they've got their feng shui on lockdown, okay, in their house. And they've got Jesus in this corner. They're, they're trying to keep everything in play in their world. And Paul's saying, you know what? That's going to infiltrate into your life. He's saying, actually, you need to think about what it means to have just Jesus as the center of who we are as a people. Keep Jesus center. And he's, he's encouraging them and he's, he's telling to them, hey, keep him in the middle. All right. And then he goes on and he starts talking about um, uh, who these people are meant to be. And he wants to remind them that at the very heart of who we are, there was a seed placed in us. There's a, there's a great writer, he's called N.T. Wright. And he came with this uh, little verse, um, well, it's his little quote that I love. He says, to become a Christian is to leave the Egypt of sin and travel gratefully towards the promised land. To leave the Egypt of sin, to leave those things behind that are going to you know, diminish life, its quality, and lead yourselves into the things that you know to be right. That is where the promised land is. That's where that joy is. How do you do that? Knowing Jesus. Um, I think for me, there's a, there's a, there's a portion of that, that very quote for me that, that sits at my heart. You know, there's always those tendencies within us to hold on to the things of the past just in case this thing doesn't work out. And you see, the gospel message is something more than information, right? It's something that sits inside us and brings transformation. It's just not a good idea. It's not just good words. It's not inspiring quotes that bring about transformation. It's, 
It's the very heart of who God is that brings that transformation. And I love to think of it like this, that the seed of the gospel message is something to be cultivated. It's something that leads us toward fruitfulness. The seed that leads to fruitfulness. And I want to ask you straight, what have you allowed in this past year to take root in your life? Now, I was hanging out with the young adults on Monday night and getting to know them, and there was a question in there in uh, the study guide for our Thessalonian series, and it was talking about what has become an idol in your life. You see, when Jesus gets replaced in the center of your life, you've got to start thinking about what has replaced him. What has become more valuable in your life? This is what Paul is saying to them. He's saying, you know what, at some point, this city, the surrounding communities, the people that you work with, those that are keeping all of these things in play, it's going to have an effect. What are you doing to keep Jesus at the center? Uh, our hope in, is in this series that you get a bit of a gentle reminder about that. What does it mean? Uh, at a very simple level, I could see a bunch of things uh, that, that I did in my own home life and, and continue to have in my life that actually become central. You know, if I didn't have that, how do I feel? When I was on this holiday, I'm sitting there, I'm looking at, um, uh, looking at my phone and I ran out of data. And then when I ran out of data, I was like, oh, man, I've got to read a book. Uh, I had some movies on my computer, all this sort of stuff. But when I sat down and actually took that time, something shifted in me. It was an amazing, amazing feeling. A few weeks back, I was, I was scrolling through um, through social media, as you do, uh, and I came across this picture. Um, it's a pretty, I don't know if anyone's seen it before, it's, it's, it's an artwork uh, by an Italian guy called Giuseppe Benoni. Any Italians in the room? No, no. The only way you can say Italian names is by saying things silly. All right, so Giuseppe Benoni. Okay, and it's called The Hidden Life Within. And uh, so it was about 15 years ago, he, uh, he heard that there was a big storm um, in France, uh, in Paris. There's the Palace of Versailles, very close to Paris. And all of their massive Lebanese cedars had fallen over in the storm. And he just thought, man, here are these amazing trees grown from seed in this place. Imagine what they've seen. Imagine, imagine what I could create with them. And so he went there and he purchased one of them. Uh, this is one of them. He did a few um, it's about five-ton log, right? 11,000 pounds for the Americans in the room. Um, and uh, he decided that he would just start carving away. And, and what happened was he, he found it on the edge of the knot. He started carving away at it. And the knot actually led into uh, the branches that used to be in the middle of the tree. In fact, um, you can see some of those. It's not the greatest, but you can see some of those little branches that see. He revealed the life that was in the middle of the tree. That was the tree 100, 200, 300 years ago when it was growing. He was able to reveal that. And I think that's an amazing kind of picture of what Paul's saying to them. He's saying to them, you know what, you might be growing big. You might, these things might be changing your life, but what is at the center? Do you remember when you were a sapling? Do you remember 
the seed. Do you remember the seed that was placed in you? Do you remember the seed that was placed in you? I know there might be some here tonight hearing a message for the first time from Scripture, but for us followers of Jesus, there is a, there is a call that Paul's putting out there. Do you remember when something transformed in your life? Something was once planted. We had this oak tree uh, at the previous church I was at, and it was planted on that land by the lady who donated the land. Um, she was 105 when she died. I was still going around to her house um, to have cups of tea with her. She was still running a small group at 100. What's your excuse? <laughs> 100. She was running a small group for 80 and 90-year-olds. How choice is that, right? Anyway, she planted this oak on there, and it's still there, and it's, it's growing. It is massive. She planted it when she first gave the land or gifted the land to the church as a reminder of planting that seed. When she did it, it was 20 people gathering around. It was, uh, and now it's, a, now it's a full church, growing and, uh, and amazing. Verse 6 reminds us that the very first day that you heard and recognized the truth of what God was doing, you've been hungry for more. He's calling out something to them. That the seed that's placed in there actually needs to be nurtured. When I first became a Christian, I spent quite a bit of time at a, a, a friend's place, and uh, they were a Christian family, I didn't know it at the time, and uh, they sat at the table for dinner. Now, that was weird to me because we didn't sit at the table for dinner in my house. They did a whole bunch of weird things like talking to each other, uh, enjoying each other's company. It was, who does that? Well, that was what I thought in my mind. Why? Because I came from a place where that wasn't normal. And actually what was happening for them in being the family that, that God was calling them to be, they were witnessing to me. They were planting the seeds of faith in my life. So eventually that family, um, a friend plucked up the courage to invite me along to church and I became a Christian and, and I realized, hang on a second, there's something bigger in their life that shapes and cultivates something different in them. It is amazing to see what a simple dinner table can create in the life of someone who doesn't know Jesus. And actually, why do you have this? Because it's important in Scripture. I know Mon's doing a the table at the moment with the uh, coffee group, which is pretty cool. So what I observed from this family was that a seed needed to be planted, but it also needed to be cultivated. You see, cultivation is not something that's, uh, that's big in my mind, and uh, I am not a green finger, all right? Don't give me plants, they die. Plants are too needy, give me a cactus. You know, cactus, you... You water every now and then, and uh, my wife actually gave me a coffee plant, because I love coffee, and she gave me a coffee plant for my office. <sighs> you know, it kind of died. <laughs> it grew and it died and it grew. And it, I mean, that thing went through some adversity. <laughs> I really do feel for it. It actually got fruit, actually, one day. But, um, <laughs> oh, I see cultivation at three levels. There's the personal level, there's a communal level, and then there's a global level. 
At a personal level, we talk about it all the time in the life of the church. Read your word. Understand who God is. Paul talks about that. Continue knowing so that you can step into that orchard, to step into that way of life that God's calling to you. But there's also a communal aspect. And uh, this week I was reminded of that when, when Kyle came up with a great new idea for us as a staff team. All the Kiwis were sitting there like, it's going down, you know. He said, uh, you know, what we're going to do, we've got these amazing smile values in the life of our church, and I want us as a staff to think about and observe and speak to those within the staff who are stepping into those values. And it, it's speaking positivity to one another. Kiwis don't do that, do we? We struggle with it. He was almost apologetic about doing that. He was. I think it's a great idea. That's cultivating something transformative in our midst. Right? I've been in places where you know, the Kiwi culture is, actually, let's just tear each other down. Let's have a bit of a laugh. That's just a bit of banter. It's just a bit of banter. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I, there's been a few times where someone goes, hey, Rob, we just, we just love this in you. We want to speak, you know, speak to that thing. You know, just get like that. Oh, they don't say that to me. I don't know how to take a compliment. That's Kiwis, right? We don't like it. But it's so good. It's so good. Someone recognizes the good that God has done in you. The seed that he planted and is, is bringing to life in you is cultivation. For me, that's a, a brilliant idea of it. The, the, the third part is this global aspect. And I, I shared a little bit with the, the youth before I came in here. I'm, a, I'm part of a, um, uh, a board that is, um, looks after a freedom business over in India uh, called The Loyal Workshop. And for me, these three aspects of personal, communal, and global actually transform who I am. And so I go and expose myself to this amazing work. And my brain is just, I've never seen something like this. I, I got to sit in the room of one of these amazing women. And her husband and three kids live in this room. And I'm not joking. She, you know, we're talking you know, five square meters. They've got a double bed in there. They've got all their worldly possessions, everything. For me, that cultivates a heart for what God is doing around the world and wants to do around the world. See, what Paul's doing in here is he's saying it's not just about those nice things that you should be doing in your life, you know, and they're all good things. I'm not saying they're not. Uh, but he's saying there's more to it. There's a communal aspect. There's a global aspect. I want transformation to have its full effect in your life, but you need to walk into it. You really need to step into it. Uh, he always uses these pictures that are horticultural and agricultural because that's the times, right? Uh, he's not going to be talking about Auckland transport. He's not going to be talking. He's talking about agriculture because that is very central to who they are. He's taking a picture that they know, plant the seed, cultivate it. Um, any of you heard of worm juice? Worm juice? No gardeners in here, eh? Oh, if you worm juice, I put some of that in my coffee plant, it grew about three feet in, a, in about a month. I'm not joking. Um, the thing, it, <laughs> just as an aside, I think it's quite funny uh, how amazingly things grow from excrement. <laughs> uh, 
My plant grew crazily, and every every plant grows crazily from excrement. And the reason why I say that is because Paul's words in here, and I'm going to, I think I, oh no, hang on, I'm going to go there in a second. Paul's words in here, he's talking about enduring something. He's growing something. And as Christians, we often get to this point where we say, actually, I don't want to encounter suffering. I don't want to encounter you know, the bad things of life. That's why people hedge their bets. I've been around to people's houses who've got the Buddha on the front step just for good luck. Um, you've got the money tree there because they hope one day they get money. Because they're hedging their bets. They haven't let that seed be cultivated to the point of fruitfulness. Where it begins to grow and have its place in their life. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I love that part in the verse where it says, God gave them wise minds and spirits attuned to his will so that they could acquire thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. Bearing fruit, growing and being strengthened rather than allowing things to die in our lives. That's what he's calling out from his people. That's what he's calling to us. There's a, there's a, little, um, a little story I heard, an African uh, Babemba tribal ritual. It's when a, a person acts irresponsibly among them. Um, they place that person in the center of the village, alone and unfettered. And all the work ceases. Every man, woman, and child comes into the center of that village. And they form a large circle around that accused individual. And for a couple of days, they tell that person every good thing that he or she has ever done. The tribe believes that every one of them, every single one of them comes into this world good. And they want to remind them of that. Safety, the love, the peace, the happiness that exists among them is because that person is a part of them. They band together and for the sake of their fellow human, uh, to hold him or her up, to reconnect them with their true nature, to remind them of who they are, that they are good. You see, when, when seed is cultivated, this is the kind of fruitfulness that comes out. That's why I love Kyle's idea for us as a staff. Something transforms in our midst if we allow God to speak in that way. This uh, passage goes on to say, We pray that you'll also have the strength to stick it out over the long haul, not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, uh, but that amazing glory strength that spills over into joy, even enduring suffering. This is what I love about this passage. That God says, you know what? I'm going to speak to you through Paul. I'm going to tell you that you are good, that everything that's good within you can actually come to fruitfulness if you allow it to have its work and you live into that. Uh, I've heard many well-meaning Christians talk about avoiding hard times. I've walked alongside families, a young family who, um, who lost their baby, and I went in there on day five after the baby was born, and it was obvious that the baby wasn't going to make it, but you know, I saw them be transformed in the midst of that. I did a dedication for them, five days old. Uh, little Zethan died when he was 13 days old. I went to the, and took the funeral for them and put that, put that little uh, box in the ground. Those two uh, live here in Tauranga, and, uh, and I've been able to reconnect with them in the last couple of weeks. I can see God's transformative work 
through what can only be described the worst possible things in their life. We want to avoid everything that is painful and, and yet, what does it bring? It brings great fruitfulness. Paul's telling us that your fruit-bearing capacity and your ability is directly con- connected to your cultivating activity. Is Jesus the center of your life at the moment? Is something else the center of your life at the moment? What is it doing as center of your life? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's um, a situation, earning, earning money. I don't know. We have all of these different things that become prioritized in our life. And they shape who we are. I wonder if that is you tonight. I want to remind you that Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough for you. I invite the band to come and join me. Um, As the message puts it, may the lines of purpose in your lives never grow slack. What might look like um, for you uh, as a plan uh, for a year ahead with all of these things, maybe he's challenging you. Something else needs to have priority. Maybe something needs to be laid down. What will you do this year that creates the conditions and nurtures the plant of your life to fruit-bearing potential in the season? I want to suggest just Jesus might. Let's pray. Would you stand? Lord, you are good. And you care about every situation in life that we're walking through and you want to walk alongside us. But Father, you put a seed in every single one of us that you desire for us to continue to cultivate to fruitfulness. And tonight, Lord, there's some here who may be questioning whether or not uh, they've been able to achieve that, whether or not they've actually grasped the understanding of what the gospel message is trying to draw out of them what the gospel message is calling them to live into. Ask tonight, Lord, that people would have the courage to step into it, to step away from other things and make space for you at the center. So, Father, we ask your Holy Spirit to come, to speak truth, to speak, speak life into us, that we may heed that word. Father, we welcome your transforming presence among us tonight. Come, Lord Jesus, and be the center of all.